Wellspring Gardens. Part 3. Part 3. Well, 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 well. Part 3. 3. 3. 3. Wellspring Gardens. Part 3. Home. They had walked miles along the road, hopeful they had put enough distance between themselves and Wellspring Gardens. Alex had collapsed wearily at the side of the road after some time and found refuge beneath the shade of some bushes. Need a break? asked Ella. How can you keep walking? It's been hours. I'm used to walking. It's the only way to get supplies for the motel. I don't get out of the house much, said Alex. He took out the car key and spoke into it, Coop. Come get us. How do you get out there? asked Coop. Alex ignored him. How long, Coop? A few hours. See you in a few hours then, said Alex before collapsing on his back onto the grass. Bella laid down next to him. If I fall asleep don't leave without me, she said with a yawn before closing her eyes. I won't. Their clothes had dried from the sun in the hours before Coop's headlights became visible over the darkening horizon. Headlights bobbed up and down the road towards them. Visions of creeping black suits had kept Alex awake, and so he had been on watch as Ella slept. Coop arrived excited to hear what had happened, so Alex drove as Ella spoke, the story spilling out faster than she could keep straight. And then we were in this room full of these grown-up babies, yeah Alex? Yeah. Oh I forgot about the things without faces, okay there were these rooms that flashed all these colors everywhere, right Alex? Right. And so on, in that nonlinear fashion, her mind grabbing at fragments until they had been captured and put away. They had gotten off course. Alex was quiet in the days that passed, his mind still on the vision he had seen while in the strange sea. He got that way when things were unsettled in his head, though it didn't happen very often anymore. By now he had gotten most things settled, it was the benefit of having so much time. But now he was unsure. If Ella had any misgivings, she kept them well hidden. She joked with Coop and made plans for the future confident it would come. She had a youthful, unburdened wisdom Alex had never possessed. He had always needed time, even with small questions, and there had always been time. Where are we going? asked Ella. My old house, said Alex. Where the kids grew up. When was this? asked Ella. A long time ago, said Alex. Ella thought to ask more, but Alex looked particularly weary. She looked out, watched as the open fields turned into suburbs. Then traffic appeared up ahead. Many cars like theirs were bumper to bumper in a long line barely moving. The whole scene was surprising to Ella, who hadn't seen another vehicle during their trip. Now there were dozens of cars, honking and screeching to stops in a bizarre noisy show. What is this? asked Alex. It's a preserve, said Coop. Sure enough at the very front of the line was the banner, Welcome to Suburbia. Bella looked closer at the cars and saw that most were empty. A second later, all of the empty cars departed and the lane opened up. They passed under the banner, and Alex could see up close in small print at the bottom, with simulated traffic. Alex shook his head. Ella giggled, that was fun. All of the houses along the road were identical, a long-tailed echo, street by street, row by row. All of them perfectly kept and manicured. A few visitors stopped to observe the scenes on the lawns, people having barbecues, laughing and cheering, drinking beer and playing party games. In front of one of the houses a man in a plaid shirt and jeans was throwing a football to a boy, he kept calling son, saying good catch whenever the boy had caught a pass. Then the boy would run the ball back and say nice throw to add and start the scene over again. 
You lived in a place like this? Ella marveled. It wasn't really like this. Everyone hated each other mostly, assured Alex. But Ella didn't hear him. At one of the intersections, Ella was excited to see a teen looking down at his phone as he walked across the street. She got out of the car to see it up close. The teen was committed and kept his head down, not acknowledging her intrusion. Alex navigated the maze of houses. Before his mind had even decided it, instinctually, his hands had taken over, turning the wheel one way and then another. Repetition had etched a map in his nervous system. Without thinking he had arrived. It looked the way it had that first day. The grass was evenly cut, the paint vibrant and new. He found he was still proud of it after all these years. They went up the driveway and the garage door opened to them. I'm home, said Coop sarcastically as they pulled in. The front door was unlocked. Ella followed Alex into the house. The air inside was thick and stale, but the house was orderly. On the walls were photos of an enthusiastic family, all in matching clothes and staged smiles. He recalled vaguely that he and Lily had sold the house, but he couldn't quite remember who they had sold it to. Ella was inspecting an open soda can on the table and found it was glued down when she tried to pick it up. The TV was on and playing old news stories. Ella was transfixed by the headlines. Man found dead, two gunned down, woman assaulted, etc., her large eyes reflecting the blue tint of the screen. Alex walked in a daze of old memories. He wondered if it was still there. And what it even was. He went to the storage under the stairs, opened it up, and crawled behind the water heater to the very back wall. What are you looking for? Asked Ella. There's a room back here, I'm trying to find the keyhole. Alex felt around, his hand caked in cobwebs and dust until he had found it. He dusted off his hands on his pants and took out from his pocket the collection of keys. One by one he sorted through them until he had found the right key and opened the door. Watch your head, the entrance is low, he warned as he crawled through the small opening and flipped on the lights inside. It was a small, dark, unwelcoming room. Walls of unpainted wood, with a low slanted ceiling and a giant unseemly support beam in the middle. It was the bare heart of the house, utility only, a place for things there was no space for. What is this? Asked Ella. Storage mostly. I'd hide down here sometimes when I needed a break from the family. This was the first time Ella had heard Alex talk about the past. Didn't they try to find you? She asked. I don't think they noticed. I wasn't very present back then. Well, you were probably too young. My mother had me when she was a hundred years old, and it still didn't turn out right, said Ella matter-of-factly. Alex had been young. But strangely he felt much older then, than now. It was the way that gained knowledge illuminates exponentially domains once inconceivable, that had, over time, infantilized him. And so to age is to become wisely ignorant in some way. The day they had moved in, Alex remembered carving something into the support beam. But now he couldn't remember what it was. Initials maybe? A date? He walked over to the beam and examined it from all sides, but it wasn't there. He felt the surface of the wood. There was nothing left. We can go now, said Alex abruptly. When they were out of the storage room, Ella went upstairs to look around further, while Alex went back to the car to wait. While upstairs, Ella went on curiously from room to room. She was amused by all the little details, the race car spring bed, the coarse finger paintings pinned to the doors, even the small fish bowl and the plump goldfish inside. She put her face up to the bowl, watching the goldfish swim in circles. She wondered how long it had lived there, swimming uselessly, convinced it was going somewhere. She put her hand on the side of the bowl and tipped it over the table. The bowl shattered on the ground. The fish flopped in the shallow remnants of its home, gasping and struggling for air. Ella watched the goldfish until her question was answered. In the car, Alex reminisced with Coop. The past seemed more like a dream than a memory. 
Lily would be forever lost in that dream, and his kids were now happy with families of their own. Life had moved on without him, and there was no longer any reason to chase after it. After some time, Ella came back to the car with lots of questions. It was getting dark again. They drove back along the rows of houses. Lights began to flicker on against the night. They watched the home spring to life in soft fluorescent blues and yellows. Music played from some great orchestra in the sky and echoed merrily through the empty streets. Before long the music was only a faint whisper far away. They were back on the road. There were to be no more distractions, thought Alex. A few more days and the adventure would be over. Alex felt the weariness of sleep come on, but he kept on driving. Ella had fallen asleep in the back. Coop was quiet. Alex kept on. Star. It was a few hours past midnight. Everything was motionless and silent and vast. Alex heard Ella rustle in the back. Can you pull over? Asked Ella, her voice sleepy. Alex pulled over a short ways off the road into the long grassed plains they had been chasing all night. Play something, she said, rolling down the windows in the back. Alex dug into the collection of music he had brought and put something on. He opened the front windows and felt a rush of cold night air. It curled inside the car along with the hum of the nocturnal night, the rustling tall grass, the long tinny buzzing of insects, the wind playing upon all the earth. Alex got out with Ella, the grass up to their knees, tickling the exposed skin on their legs, as they crawled onto the hood of the car. I always wanted to do this, said Ella. It's nice, said Alex. Is it old for you? She asked. No, it's not old, just me. He smiled. They looked up into the cloudless sky and at the stars that were to Alex, no longer mysterious and far away. He had visited some of them, and they had lost their wonder. There was more mystery in the girl beside him than in the stars. But maybe it had always been that way. At that moment he felt a sense of loss for Ella, that she would never get to wonder in this world, not even about herself, all that was left were distractions. He wanted to tell her all this, but when he turned to Ella, her eyes were wide, searching, and he thought it foolish to say anything at all. Alex? Yes? What happens if it doesn't work? What do you mean? If you can't end your contract? I don't know, I guess I'll find another way. What else can I do? You could find someone you care about. Alex was quiet for a while. You know, I was with my wife for 40 years, over half my life when she passed away. I used to think that meant something. And now as time goes on, it's like I hardly knew her. Bella said nothing. The story without an ending is just a dream Ella. The wind kicked up and sent a chill through them. Ella nestled close to Alex. Both made thoughtful by the night, and the songs wafting out the open windows, wrapped in that universal feeling that keeps us close and far away from each other. Another song played and Ella began to sway. What song is this? She asked. Alex struggled to recall. What is it? I haven't heard it in a while, it's... Dream a little dream of me, interjected Coop. Yeah, that's right. It's a standard that's been done a hundred different ways. But I've always liked this version, said Alex. I like it, said Ella, still swaying as the song played. Stars shining bright above you. Night breezes seem to whisper I love you. Birds singing in a sycamore tree. Dream a little dream of me. Alex began to whistle. You know I never learned how to whistle, said Ella. I can teach you, said Alex. My mom tried to show me how, I just can't do it. You know there was a superstition that you had to whistle when you passed a graveyard, said Alex. Bella looked confused, I've never heard of that. It was almost morning. Lying on the car they thought they saw the first light of day cracking through the curtains of night. The darkness was being drawn apart, but not by the sunrise. A star had fallen out of the sky and was moving toward them. 
Then the star boomed out a terrific noise that shattered the air. Something landed beside them. It was a crackling splatter of emptiness, and nothing that fizzled and pulsated and left a void in the universe where there had been grass and dirt before. The wound in the earth festered and frothed angrily. Ellen and Alex scrambled to their feet and lunged into the car, and we're now racing across the night-hidden plains. Ella! A voice cried, it's just us. The director just wants to talk. Pull over before you get hurt. The voice was coming from the star, and Ella could see into it the boys from the motel. Who is it? yelled Alex, his eyes straining to see the terrain in the dark. Liars! She shouted out the window, cowards, I'm not going back, I'd rather die. The glowing star closed in. Explosions of nothingness crashed all around them, leaving gashes of black in the plains. The two boys were having no better luck maneuvering in the dark. Let me drive, begged Coop. Not now, snapped Alex. Trust me. They can't navigate down here, not in that mindless pile of garbage. What's your point? That thing was designed for the railway. Down here it's useless, its autopilot is garbage, their manual driving is garbage, and your driving is garbage, so let me drive. Coop's little monitor face turned a fierce red, and Alex, seeing no other option, relented and shifted to autopilot. Immediately Coop swerved right, toppling the contents of the car violently. Alex was pressed against the left side window. Ella held tight to anything stable she could grasp. They careened across the road towards the pillars of the railway, mowing down tall stalks of grass and weeds in the fields. Where are you going? yelled Ella. Trust me, said Coop. The edges of the sky were beginning to soften into a light blue, as Coop drove the car into the heart of the concrete entanglement, weaving in between giant pillars so tightly, Alex could feel a rush of wind through the window each time they narrowly missed hitting one. The star followed tightly behind, hugging each turn, mirroring every movement. A boom let out from behind, evaporating the left rearview mirror and part of the door beside Alex. The void sizzled. Cold air rushed up from where the door had been. Alex stared into the black void that seemed almost alive. He reached out to touch it, but his hand passed right through as if it were nothing but smoke. Cowards! yelled Ella out the window as Coop made pirouettes with the car. Another shot let out evaporating the roof above them. Alex whipped around and saw two sets of bulging eyes and maniacal grins, and worst of all, mounted on the bottom of the star, he saw the barrel of their weapon. Hold on, said Coop accelerating toward a pillar, before swinging the car violently to the right, launching Ella out of her seat into Alex, who was already halfway falling out of the hole where the door had been. The tail end of the car clipped the pillar and whipped the car around. The boys tried to follow suit, turning at the last second, only to have the left side of their vehicle crash into the pillar. Flames shot out of the glowing star, the whole thing unstable, lurching and spinning horribly, until it had collided again into another pillar. Ellen and Alex watched as the star sparked and ricocheted between pillars until it crashed, at last, into a heap in the fields below. How did they find us? Ella let out breathlessly, getting out of the car to see the crash. On the horizon came a tide of sirens. They're coming, we have to go, said Alex. Do you think they're okay? Asked Ella, her eyes drifting to the smoking wreckage. Don't worry, no one's going to let them die, said Alex. That's not what I meant, she said, with one last concerned glance at the wreck before getting back in the car. End. I told you, didn't I? Coop was saying. That thing was basically a train. So it can fly, big deal. You did a good job, said Alex wearily. Oh, and I'm driving the rest of the way, I've earned it. It's all yours, said Alex. After some time traveling off-road, Coop, figuring they were safe, had rerouted them back. They were close now. Ella held her hundred-dollar bill up to the sun, admiring its delicate print. She turned the bill back and forth, inspecting every detail. Do you know what that used to be worth? 
asked Alex. Bella answered uncertainly, a hundred dollars? I mean, it is, but... Alex thought for a second. When I was young it was worth ten hours, that's how I thought of it. I went to work and my time there was worth that much. So what's it worth now? I don't know, said Alex. This car used to be worth something. Coop spoke up, jerk. Life was valuable when there was only so much of it to turn into money and love and everything else. Bella examined the money again. It grew heavy as they approached their destination. Alex began to feel the weight of time once more. He knew again the value of hours, and the road, and close company, and he was reminded why it was hard to leave life behind. Life Corp Contract, Offices They arrived as the sun began to fade away. The contract office was no bigger than a cottage, it was yellow, with white trim, its sign plainly painted on a placard by the door. Do you think this is a good idea? Asked Coop. You're wanted by these people. I don't know, said Alex, but I have to try. We came this far. I don't think you should go, said Ella quietly. She looked small sitting there. We should just leave. I thought you wanted, started Alex. Don't do it, cut Ella. Just stay. She kept her head down. I can't. I need an ending. Ella looked up at him, her eyes luminescent, holding the deficit of everything promised. Don't. We can just keep going. You don't have to do it, urged Coop. Alex got out of the car and closed the door. I'm sorry. He didn't look back as he walked away and entered the building. He sat idly in the empty lobby. Some time had passed. He got up and looked around for someone before sitting back down. There was a mess of magazines on the table. Alex picked one up and flipped through it blankly, his mind not registering anything in it. Then an old woman appeared at the front desk, can I help you? Are you lost? No. Alex got up, already rehearsed, I'm here to terminate my contract. Your name? Alex Briggs. Aha, uh -huh, said the old woman, looking at Alex's profile. She flashed him a knowing look. Wait here, she said before disappearing. Alex worried she may have gone to report him, but she returned a few seconds later with a cup of water. Usually I'd have to give the whole orientation, but seeing as this is all off books anyway, I'll just give you the main points, she said calmly. Thank you, said Alex gratefully. Taking this pill will effectively end your contract with LifeCorp. Do you understand? Yes. This pill will counteract the serum in your blood. The result is death. Alex nodded. How long will it take? He asked. I can't say, said the old woman. It was better that way he thought. Any more questions Alex? No. Well then. The old woman handed Alex the pill. He took it and held it in his hand, feeling the weight of it. Water, said the old woman handing him the cup. Alex waited a moment. He drew a long breath, his whole life held in his chest and breathed out in an instant. He tossed the pill into his mouth, and with a sip of water swallowed it all away. Alex braced himself. Whatever death should feel like, he could not sense it. Everything felt the same. He opened and closed his hands, expecting to feel a change, but sensed nothing. He wanted to thank the old woman, but when he looked up she was gone. As he made to leave, he did sense something awaken in him. He felt moved once more, aware of his limited time. He thought of Ellen and Coop, he hoped they had waited for him. He knew now what they meant to him, in the present, without a future. Everything felt deliriously urgent. With this, he rushed out the front doors, needing to tell Coop and Ella, but they were already gone. The world outside greeted him in solitude. That pain had always been known to him. Though it was only right. He had abandoned them too. And so he should die out here alone. He felt a wave of fatigue come over him. The sun was beginning to set on the world. Alex looked out to the burning desk in search of any sign of them, but could see no trace. 
another wave tore through him, everything began to slip away. He could no longer hold himself together. He stumbled to the ground. On his knees, he tested himself again, trying to open and close his hands, but this time they would not obey. Nothing was spared, his eyes slowly turned gray, his bones ached, his body was being taken back. And as he died he realized his death would finally make his life true. Just then a hand gripped him on the shoulder. He turned around and saw the director standing behind him. You're dying, he said. You're. Even Alex's speech began to fail him. I'm just a small part of this story, like Coop and Ella, your wife, your memories. Alex was beginning to fade. I don't. Where's Ella? What did you do? She's not anywhere. Alex tried to fight off his dying, but we... We left. Perfectly. But the world doesn't work that way Alex, only stories. Why? Slurred Alex. The man gestured up towards the sky, this is Wellspring Gardens, Alex. You never left. There is nothing beyond it, not for our customers. Who am? Weezed a defeated Alex. You're a dreamer Alex. You dreamt that you didn't want to live. And now you've woken up. Now let's see it again. I don't, struggled Alex before collapsing to the ground. Just let me die, his words gritted out through clenched teeth. I can't. We have to honor our contract. He shook his head, if you really knew, then you'd know you could always leave. You should have just gone with the girl. Alex could no longer feel. His head lay dead on the ground, his tears rolling into the dirt. He was an empty vessel. His side was gone, nothing left but the dim light of an illusion. He took refuge in what was left of himself. How much had been real? Not even this pain was his, just the residue of something true. But then, like the last gasp of a flame, he understood again what he had felt just before. He felt love for his wife and family, for Coop and Ella, even for this lonesome pain. Whatever was, real or not, had been marked somewhere. What he felt for them was real. And so he closed his eyes and imagined a world beyond the sunset. He saw the rain. Standard. There were a group of strangers holding signs by the road. Alex pulled up beside them. A peculiar girl came up to him. Do you know if that motel is in operation? He asked. Yes it is, said the girl. If you'd like to join the cause or donate we'd be happy to have you. The girl reached into her pocket, took out a hundred dollar bill, and held it up to him. We take donations like these. Alex was surprised, I have something just like that. He went through his wallet, looking for his emergency cash. It should be here. Alex searched for a while before giving up. Sorry, I thought I had it. That's all right, said the girl disappointed. Alex didn't want to trouble the girl any further and started up the car and began to drive away. The girl looked troubled. She thought for a second before chasing after the car. Stop. She yelled. Alex stopped the car. It's okay, she huffed, when she had finally caught up. You can stay, you don't have to give me anything. Are you sure? Ask Alex. It's fine, really, she insisted, catching her breath. Where were you going anyway? Alex looked at her. Ella flashed a familiar crooked smile. He knew it and smiled back. I don't know, 